This is Real Talk with Rebecca Chawson, where we have real, raw, and relatable conversations to create connections that count. So stay tuned. It's time for a Real Talk. Thank you for tuning in today's episode of Real Talk with Rebecca. I'm excited to have with me here Merrick Rosenberg, who is the CEO of Take Flight Learning and author of Taking Flight, The Chameleon, and Personality Wins. What a great lineup of books there. Oh, thank you, Becca. It's so good to be here. Of course. I'm excited to dive into a little bit more about understanding personality types because I have found whether it's in career, business, networking, developing a personal brand, it really does dial back to somebody's personality and how they project on the world around them. Absolutely. Who you are plays out in everything you do, whether it's your brand or whether it's how you communicate with others or how you get along with people or as a leader, your personality is there. So it shines through. So we can have some fun talking about that today for sure. Awesome. And I love your background. Not Maybe our listeners all can't hear it if it's on the audio today, but you have the different birds represented there. I'm excited to learn a little bit more about what each one means. So before we dive in, I want to learn a little bit more about your passion and how you came into what you're doing today. Well, it goes back to very first job. Actually, it wasn't even, it wasn't even a, a career at that point. It was an internship. Uh, I had worked, uh, I was down in DC and I worked for, I will leave them unnamed as a government, one of the government agencies. And uh, I had a manager and he just was one of those people who just hovered over you. And, and every time you did something, he was like literally looking over your shoulder and saying, your, your margins are off and you have a spelling error. And I'm like, I'm just gathering thoughts at this point. But we didn't use the word micromanager at that time, but, but he was a micromanager. And I just felt like, wow, this is just not how I want to be interacting with somebody who I'm working with. And, and it showed me from a negative example that, there, there's something about working with leaders, about creating a good culture, because he didn't create a great culture. There's something about creating a positive environment that I wanted to be a part of. And I stayed there for about a year and a half, and I was like, okay, that's it for me. I was done, went back on an MBA, focusing on organizational behavior. While I was there, discovered team building. Uh, it was 19, in the ni- early 90s, it was 91, I started Team Builders Plus. It, there was almost no team building companies in the entire United States. You could have counted them on one hand. And I said, this is just, is just fascinating to be able to teach people. So I, the funny thing was I, I went, I got an internship at a, at a team building company. There happened to be one that was within driving distance and they were the most dysfunctional group of people I ever saw. (laughs) And I thought to myself, if they can be this successful and this dysfunctional, I could do that. (laughs) I could start a company. And so I started Team Builders Plus and just grew it organically from that point. And it's, it's been a blast going in and teaching people how to create an environment that they like. We spend so much time in the workplace to actually teach people how to create an environment that they feel positive about, that they feel good about. That's, that's my purpose. I love that. That's great. So you had experienced a need in the workplace and you wanted to create a solution because you did not see it out there. And so your passion really evolved out of this need that you saw. Yeah. And it was, it was, 
interacting with so many people in both of those organizations and seeing that they weren't happy. And it wasn't that they weren't happy because of the work they were doing, because they had gone to college, they had gotten degrees, they knew what they wanted to do in their career, but they weren't happy in the culture. They, they didn't like the environment, it was toxic, the, the manager was just not treating them in a way that they, they valued and they felt valued. And, and I was like, you, you have to fix this. This is not okay. We, right. we, need, to, we, need, to, we need to do something about this. And, and it's just been an absolutely amazing ride as the team building world has grown and as I learned about personality, just teaching people how to get along. That's great. And I'm sure as an entrepreneur and just in your process going through understanding your personal brand and your identity, have you experienced different challenges that have helped you tap into what I like to call your super strengths, would you say? Uh, absolutely. I, it, it, for me, I'll give you a sense of the four birds because that'll, that'll give you a way of thinking about what my challenges were. Okay. Uh, so, so, I, I looked at personality and in 1994, I learned the DISC model. Now, nobody owns DISC, so many people in the corporate world have taken DISC profiles at some point. And, uh, and so I learned that model and I thought, wow, this is powerful. This will help people learn about themselves. It'll help people understand their coworkers. I, I loved the idea of it. And I, and, and I taught it for so many years, literally tens of thousands of people, but I would go back three months, six months later, and the letters were gone. And I thought, there's got to be a better way. We have to create something visual. So DISC, I had to teach someone. It's not intuitive what the letter D is. So, but I have a feeling it is intuitive what the birds are. So, so let's, let's do it together. I'll, I'll awesome. see, if you, see if you can I'm ready. guess. You ready? I'm ready. So, so if you were to think about an eagle as a person had the traits or characteristics of an eagle, what comes to mind for you? I would think of somebody who's a big picture thinker who is more dominant, um, take charge, has a person, personality that commands the room. You got it. And, and here's the cool thing. It's intuitive already. So you don't have to memorize it. And if it's something you have to memorize, it's something that you'll forget. If it's right. something that it's intuitive, you'll always know it. So let's do the I next one. The parrot. When you think of a parrot, what comes to mind? Parrot, I think of somebody who's talkative, who has a lot of energy, very colorful, um, you know, is, is engages people. You know, I've, you know, when you think of a parrot in a cage, they're trying to engage people around them by mimicking what they're saying or whatnot. So. Oh, yeah. They're talkative. They're social. They're fun. They're engaging. It's exactly right. They're optimistic. Everything about them is just bringing fun, positive energy. How about the next one is the dove. When you think of a dove, it has a very different feeling than the eagle and the parrot. Oh, definitely. A dove, well, is obviously white, and so it has more of a peaceful, calming presence about them. Um, maybe more introspective, likes to take things in before reacting. Perfect. I mean, you have it exactly. It's about harmony and peace and compassion. They're that person in the family who you, every family has one of these. They're the ones who's saying, let it go. Don't start. <laughs> it's the holidays. You know what he means. They just right. they're the peacemaker. They want everyone to get along. Right. And, and the last one is the owl. When you think of an owl, what traits come to mind? Uh, when I think of the owl, I think of... Um somebody who is very scholarly, likes to research, um, also maybe a little bit more on the introspective side is maybe um, uh, like enjoy strategy and breaking things down. 
Beautiful. Exactly right. It's, it's about quality and accuracy and precision and process and systems. It's, so what you're looking at there is the birds just make it easy. They make it simple to, because it's simple to learn because I don't even need to teach them anymore. People just intuitively get it. So then I can spend my time on application. And, and, and your original question was, okay, so what was my challenge? And as for me, I'm the parrot and the eagle. So my strong style is that parrot. It's why I love being on stage, being in front of people. The spotlight is fun for me. Uh, but also as the entrepreneur, it's that eagle side of me. Let's, let's drive a business. Let's grow something. And my challenge early on was when you first start a business, you wear every hat, you are doing everything. And all of those owl tasks, oh, those were, that was a rough time because I'm not that detail oriented. You need right. to staff your weakness. And eventually, of course we grew and yes, we hired owls and, and it was like, thank goodness you're here. But, but it was hard because we, we each have core strengths. And when we work out of our style, it's so exhausting. Right. And I was a lot of time having to do things that weren't hardwired. And so it was just very challenging. And until I was able to create that role for myself where I could shine and do the things I liked and I was passionate about. I love that. There, one question I have, though, is, and I'm curious, I have not had the opportunity yet to read your book, The Chameleon. But one question I have is, which do you think is most efficient use of our time? Is the goal for us to adapt and take on other personality types, so to speak? Or is it like what you're su suggesting right now, that we should um, delegate and surround ourselves by other personality types? It really is both. I mean, you have to be who you are. If you had to work out of your style all day long, it would be exhausting. Mm -hmm. In other words, if you had a role, like let's take public speaking. You have one person who loves it. Before they walk on stage, they're pumped. Can't even wait to do it. They get on stage, absolutely amazing job. They get off stage and they're even more energized because it feeds them when you're working in your style. But then you take this other person who doesn't like it. How do they feel even before they walk out on stage? Right. They're, they're nauseous. I mean, they're, yes. they're stressed. There's physical symptoms of anxiety. But what do you think? Can they do the same just as good as the person who loves it? Maybe not quite just as good, right? Like maybe they're not going to have as much of the effect on the listener than if they well, were to delegate. Well, what's it right now, if they had delegated to someone who's passionate, it would have been so much easier. Right. But if they had to do it, you, they could do it. In fact, they'd probably practice so, so right. often <laughs> that they point. would just nail it. Right. But when they got off stage, they'd be exhausted. And right. so on one hand, yes, if you can live what and do what feeds you, then every day you go home energized. Mm -hmm. And if you can create roles and, and, and responsibilities around you where each person is doing what they are good at, you find those owls who are, are good at organizing and, and looking at processes and systems. And then you put the parrot out in front of the group where they're going to they're gonna love it and they're going to shine. So it's about finding that place in your life that feeds you. And it's about surrounding yourself with good people who can fill in where you can staff your weakness and they can do the things where you say, oh, I'm so glad I don't have to do that. Right. That is so true. You know, I was thinking about, and we were talking a little bit before the recording today about the challenging time that we're in right now with a global pandemic, 
uh, civic unrest, uh, political campaigns that are feeding different arguments going on right now, this is really a time for people to also get real with themselves and have those conversations of what is going to ultimately make me happy? How do I find center? Who do I need to be surrounding myself with? I find that during quarantine, when you don't have anybody else to talk to, we have these conversations with ourselves. <laughs> and yes. I'm curious to know what are some tips or ways you have been helping support people in this process of getting to know themselves better? Well, first of all, the most self-aware people are the happiest and the most successful people. They also have the healthiest relationships. Mm. And, and, and part of it is that it's because they don't impose their personality on others. They are self-aware. They understand this is me, but that's not necessarily you. And mm. so as, as for me, I'm the parrot. My wife is an owl. As a parrot, I externalize my stress. I talk it out and then I let it go. For her, she tends to internalize stress. As the owl, she's going to process it and work it out and talk it through with that inner voice. And, and so I have to be careful that I don't externalize too much stress on her, which she then internalizes. And, and, and she also has to be careful that she does all the research. She's learning, okay, what should we be doing? What shouldn't we be doing there during this time? And I do enough research so that I feel comfortable. So she has to be careful not to impose every study and bit of data on me, which <laughs> right. becomes overwhelming and then stresses me out. It gives you anxiety, right? <laughs> so, so we have to understand ourselves so that we understand our stress response, we understand how we're impacting others, and we don't impose our personality on the people around us. Wow, that is so key. What would you say is, I love how you use the example of you two right now, with everything that's going on uh, in stressful times that everybody's experiencing right now, what is a common response of some of the other birds, so to speak? Well, during stressful times, eagles tend to kick into gear. In other words, hey, I'm going to accomplish things. I'm going to set a goal for myself. I'm going to learn how to play a new instrument. I'm going to take on this project at work. It's all about goals. I'm not wasting this time. I'm going to accomplish this. <laughs> right. For parrots, they're just like, hey, this too shall pass. I'm going to try to make the best of it. I'll talk to my friends and we'll have Zoom happy hour. Right. <laughs> Let's just enjoy it as best as we can. For doves, the way they're dealing with it is they're making those one-on-one -on -one phone calls. How are you? How are you feeling? Are you okay? No, really. Are you okay? <laughs> They're really listening. That's so good. And, and for the owl, it, it's all about making sure that if you're, you're working and you're, you're now working from home, for example, which a lot of people are having to work from home, do they have systems and processes that allow them to still be efficient and effective? Are they communicating and getting information they need? They're, they're bearing themselves in process and details and making sure things are done right. So our personality shines through, especially under stress. And, and this is a stressful time for, for most of us with being uh, quarantined and just living in a, in a different world for a period of time. Right. What are some daily habits that you've been able to implement to help you stay focused on your goals during times of stress? As for me as a parrot, I have to be careful because I, Look, there's the squirrel. Oops, hey, that's shiny. That's interesting. I should go do that. Uh, I've never really worked from home before. And as a parrot, it, I had to learn how to get focused. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm very focused at work because I 
keep myself organized, but I'm here and my guitar is sitting over there and it seems to want to be played. <laughs> so right. I, I should just go play a song or two. And, and so I, I, for me, I've had to set very specific goals for the day. I look at my day right from the beginning of the day. Here's what I'm going to do this morning. Here's what I'm going to do this afternoon. Here's who I need to talk to. I've been much more structured about my time because parrots need to be or else it can just, uh, <laughs> time management can just kind of spiral out of control. Right. Who are some influencers that have impacted you and helping you become more structured? Because like what we're talking is our greatest strength can also be our greatest weakness. I can relate as a parrot. I get distracted and I'm doing a hundred different things at one time and never finishing them. <laughs> so what, who are some people that have influenced you or books or what do you recommend people do to help curve that enthusiasm a little bit? You know, for me, the, the, the most powerful influencers are the people that are in your personal life. Uh, and, and for me, because my wife is so opposite of me, I am the parrot eagle. She is the owl dove. So I, I have right before me this lesson of here's how you get structured. Here's how you get organized. And, and her dove side of her, here's what empathy looks like. And I, you know, I can pick up the phone and talk to my friends who are doves and say, hey, how are you? You know, how are the kids? How's the family? And I, I hear her doing that all day. I mean, it's just her natural style. So for me, I, you learn from the opposite and her style is so different from mine that we learn from each other. And I think that's what creates strong relationships is when that we value the people in our lives that are different as opposed Absolutely. to judge them for being different. Wow, that is so key. Can you just say that again? Because I think that's very powerful. Yeah, in fact, I'll give it to you this way. There's this quote by Krishnamurti, and he said, the highest form of human intelligence is the ability to observe without judging. Hmm. And, and when we can see the people in our lives and value their differences instead of judge the fact that they do it differently, they have a different process and that's okay and and the fact that they do it differently is what adds variety to our lives if they just were a replica of you life would not be very interesting and so it's it's accepting people and replacing judgment with valuing for them for who they are so true you know and that strikes me as something that can be interpreted as a daily habit what would you recommend that people start doing uh, that maybe is tangible to catch themselves or recognize when they're judging and how do you switch that? I, the first thing I always tell people is you have to know yourself, you have to know others. So it gets, it's like give yourself a mantra and say to yourself, okay, I'm about to give this person, person information or I'm about to give this person feedback or I'm about to delegate this work to this individual. What is their style? That is the primary question. So in other words, if I'm, if I'm talking to someone in the workplace, I'm a parrot, they're an owl, and I'm delegating work to them, I could e very easily just walk up to them and say, you are going to love this project. It's amazing. <laughs> I mean, this may be the best project I've ever given you. Right. Here's your goal. Here's when I need it. Any questions? But they're an owl. So what I really need to, and they're looking at me like, what? What I really need to do is give yourself that mantra. What is this person's style? And therefore, how do I treat them in this moment? Okay, they're an owl. Okay, here's a project. Here's what I'm looking for. I put down some thoughts. Here's a few things you might want to consider in terms of process. Here's some things. I've done this in the past. Here's some things you might want to think about. And I download all the data and then they feel safe. They feel comfortable. But if you give yourself that mantra of, who am I talking to and what do they need in this moment? 
the, the beautiful thing is that when you treat people the way they want to be treated, they get their needs met, but you mm. also get your needs met. Mm-hmm. When their needs get satisfied, the drama just melts away because they're happy and right. their needs are met. And, and when you treat them the way they need to be treated, yes, it takes some energy, but it's much easier to dial up a little energy in the moment to treat them with the way they need to be treated now than to deal with the fallout of, okay, that did not work. Right. And now they're not happy. Absolutely. Would you, so you went through a progression of writing your books. I would imagine some of the progression is because of what you're sharing right now, the ahas. The first book you wrote, Take Flight, Taking Flight, from what I understand, outlines the different birds and gives examples and helps people understand. But then we go into the chameleon. Is that what you're talking about, where you're able to take on different forms to be able to communicate more effectively? Yeah, the chameleon is, is all about how do I apply the knowledge of the four styles. And so when I wrote Taking Flight, it, it was like it, the first half of the book is a fable. So it was like writing a movie with a character development and a story arc, and it resolves at the end. And then the second half is, okay, now let's walk through and understand the styles. The Chameleon, I love the, the subtitle, it's The Chameleon, Life-Changing Wisdom for Anyone Who Has a Personality or Knows Someone Who Does. <laughs> I figured that, should, that should cover everybody. Right. <laughs> you know, if you got a personality, it's for you. Um, right. and, but what The Chameleon was, the first book, Taking Flight, was like writing a movie. The Chameleon has 22 fables. It's like 22 episodes. It was like writing an entire season of a sitcom. Some of the episodes are about parrots and doves, some are eagles and owls, some are all four, and there's the all-knowing chameleon who teaches them a lesson about how to apply the styles in your life. And so I took stories that just were playing out in my own life and turned them into the eagles, parrots, doves, and owls and set it in the forest and taught people how to use the styles every day. I could see how this would be effective to career development as an entrepreneur, you know, knowing how to have those sales conversations with people or sending proposals and knowing your personality first, but then understanding how to tweak it to get the most success, not just in relationships, but also in your career and business. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about it from a sales perspective, imagine you're the eagle and you walk into your potential client's office and What's your mindset? I want to close that deal right now. And you, and you walk in and the person meets you and says, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Well, how was your ride? Uh, so, where, so tell me, where are you from? And how did you get into the industry? And let me walk you around and introduce you to some of our team. And would you like some coffee? And you're an eagle and you're like, okay, I have one hour. You are wasting my time to close this deal. But what they don't realize is if you don't connect with that person who is very likely a dove, you are not closing that deal because for them, it's about the relationship. So if I can read your style quickly, I can flex to you, be the chameleon, and then you get your needs met and I get my needs met. And I, I always tell people when I talk about selling, but you can put any word into the sentence, that when you're selling someone or communicating with somebody, but we use sales, if you're selling someone whose style is different from yours, If you, I'll say it this way, one of you is going to leave that interaction exhausted and it better be you. Right. In other words, one of you is going to have to flex. And so it better be you. If you're the manager and you're giving feedback to a direct report, 
you have to give it the way they want it. If you're a manager and you're delegating work, you have to delegate it the way they want it. If you're at home and you're talking to your child you, and you're, you have one child who's an eagle child and one who's a dove child, the eagle child, you can say, don't do that. And they go, okay. Right. You do that to a dove and the dove bursts into tears. And for the next hour, you're comforting your child because you've now upset them. Right. You can't speak to them the same way. So you have to understand that it's incumbent on you to, to flex. Does that take energy? It does. But when you flex, they get their needs met. You get your needs met. I love that term flexing too, because not only to me does it say you're adapting, but it's like a muscle. You have to work it to get better at it. Yeah, the more you do it, the better you get. Look, for me, my my owl style had historically been very low, but the more I go into owl mode, the easier it is for me. It's as if you literally are laying down that hardwiring in your brain. The more you practice something, the easier it gets. So the more you practice being flexible and communicating in all four styles, the easier it becomes. That's great. So how can people learn more about this? Obviously, you have your books. I also want to talk, touch on a little bit your newest book. Tell me a little bit about that. This is a fun one. I, I, I was, you know, I've always taught people about the personality styles, and I had this thought. I wondered, could you predict who is going to win a presidential election just based on the four birds? And, and the theory that I was, wanted to put to the test was, do the big energy styles of eagles and parrots, do they beat the doves and owls when running for president of the United States? Because it's such a big stage. Do you need that charisma? So I started working the model back in time and I figured eh, it's going to probably be true for a few of the presidents. 22 straight elections all the way back to 1932 that held strong. The wow. only time doves and owls won the presidency was when they were going against other doves and owls. And I'll give you an example. You have somebody like Jimmy Carter. He's a dove. He goes against Ford, who's a dove. Okay, a dove is winning that election. But then when, when he went against Reagan, who's the parrot, that big charisma and energy, that big smile, it was game over for that dove. <laughs> somebody like George H.W. Bush, he is an owl. He won against Dukakis, another owl. And then he goes against Bill Clinton's parrot style, and once again, the parrot wins the day. Same thing happened with Hoover back in 1932. He won in 1928, but then he goes against FDR's big energy. Parrots and eagles, big energy wins. It doesn't mean they're better presidents. It just means in today's world, that big energy style tends to win the presidency. So I wrote it as a way of teaching people about their, themselves, seeing yourselves in the presidency. Right. So I go election by election. It's about personality, not politics, no taking sides, but it's a way of seeing the styles in action. I share some funny stories about what happens and how we've seen the presidents display their personalities through the years. And, and there's just some, some hidden gems in there of, of things that presidents have done that you really see their bird style shining through. That's fascinating. And I, I would think, and you could tell me what, what, what your perspective is, but I would imagine people perceive big personality and related to confidence. Do you think that's why? They do. I, I think it's also, in today's world, that charisma shines through in the media. And, and that charisma and that projection of confidence really shows, especially in TV. And, and what's funny is that prior to 1932, overwhelmingly, owls and doves won the presidency. 
In fact, there were, almost all the presidents were owls and doves prior to 1932. And you say, well, wait, how come it flipped at that point? Why did the model change? And the answer is media. That at that moment, we now previously learned about what their policies were in the newspaper and owls and doves sounded very thoughtful. Wow. And when we started hearing FDR's booming voice, <laughs> it, it's that, that parrot eagle energy that he had. It was just overpowering of Hoover. And when you go back to Nixon versus JFK, once we got to see JFK's charisma and that big smile going against Nixon's owl once again. And, and today, social media, it's, you have somebody who's, uh, who's an owl, somebody like Elizabeth Warren, and her, I mean, her, she had shirts which said, Warren has a plan for that. Well, plans don't fit in tweets. They don't fit on hats. They don't fit in sound bites in the media, and they just don't get as much coverage. They don't get as much, have as much energy behind them. Right. So once again, I'm not saying that eagles and parrots make better presidents, but the data says they win the presidency. You know, I'm curious, when I think about wartime presidents, right, and I mention that because that kind of feels like we're, where we're at right now in our world, as a nation, it feels like we're battling a war on a number of fronts right now, sure. <laughs> right? There's a lot of different dynamics going on where people are feeling threatened with their health, they're feeling threatened in other aspects of their life and economically. Um, when I think of wartime presidents, and I think of in the past when there were actual wars going on, who do you think, or what type of personality was the most effective during those times? Any personality can be effective. I think the stereotype is you might think of like a General Patton Eagle in charge of the troops. But the reality is Eisenhower was that dove owl style. Like right. that you know, be like Ike, or, you know, like that, I, I, you know, I like Ike, he's just so personable, and he did so much for the troops, and the troops loved him, right. and, and he was the supreme commander of the Allied forces on D-Day, I mean, he's that dove owl, it, it may not sound like, really, you're going to put a dove owl, but yeah, it was all about accountability, it was about planning, it was about structure and process, and, and so he was the perfect person at that time to also wrangle a lot of big eagle personalities of Churchill and, and FDR and all these big personalities all around the world. And it needed a dove to just cr create some consensus about the plan. So sometimes right. we are surprised by the personalities of people who take charge. And, and what it shows is any style can be amazing leaders. Any style can be very successful, but they just go about it differently. And I would say the most amazing leaders are the ones who can adapt, like you said, and know how to speak in, in the time that they're in and with the people they need to connect to. You take somebody, I'll give you an example of that. You think, bring this in, and you can bring this into the workplace. And I always be bipartisan here. So let's get, take Ronald Reagan and Bill Clinton. These were what I call chameleon leaders. Reagan would stand in front of the Berlin Wall and say, tear down this wall, so eagle. But then he would be funny and charismatic, very parrot. He shared tons of statistics, so owl. Uh, he was just, you know, when the Challenger exploded, he gave one of the most empathetic speeches, just very grandfatherly, so dove. And look, when you display all four styles, who do you appeal to? 
you appeal to everyone. <laughs> and, and he had one of the highest approved, final approval ratings of any president in history. Wow. Just ahead of him was Bill Clinton, who had the highest final approval rating of any president in history. Both of them had some scandals, but they both did the same thing. Watch Bill Clinton for 10 minutes giving a speech. It's like a master class of public speaking. He will hit all four styles in a couple minutes. And once again, when you do that, it creates a mass appeal. And so what you get is bring that into the workplace, bring that into your life. If you're stuck in one style and you only display one style, who do you appeal to? People like you, but you don't appeal and connect to everyone. So when you understand the people in your lives and you can be flexible. That's why I wrote Personality Wins. I wanted people to really see themselves in the story of the American presidency and see themselves in the styles of the presidents and, and see how personality plays out in action, not just theoretically, but in action. And then it helps, hopefully it will help people to understand themselves better and, and be able to build better relationships in their own lives. That's great. And that just came out yesterday, right? It did. Yesterday was the release date. We've been waiting for it. So it's exciting that it is, it's birthday. It was yesterday. That's exciting <laughs> and so appropriate during the time of the elections this year. I encourage everybody to check out that book. What are some other things that you would like to tell our listeners or how can they get in touch with you, learn more? Do you have programs just to sure. give us a little bit more of an understanding? If you go to takeflightlearning.com, you can learn about the various training programs that we offer. Uh, the books are available on Amazon uh, and where other online book seller books are sold. You can get them. Uh, it's an audio books, uh, Kindle. Uh, if you want, in fact, I'll, I'll give your listeners something that they might be excited about. Uh, I have a short code for you. If you uh, text the word personality wins to the number 33777. So text personality wins to the number 33777. You can discover which bird are you and you can take a little, little profile and get an assessment and uh, answer the question, am I an eagle, parrot, dove, or owl? So uh, you so can learn fun. about your style, absolutely. That's great. And up until now, you've been doing group trainings and um, I'm sure you can work with different uh, companies. How are you tailoring that now? Sure. We've over the years we've worked as an organization. We've worked with about two thirds of the Fortune 100 companies and just tons of small Amazing. and mid-sized firms all around the world. And and it, it's great. It's fortunate for us that our our training programs translate very well to virtual learning. Uh, we make it very interactive and fun, and people laugh their way through. And uh, just philosophically, our, our our approach is: look, we want you to enjoy it. We want you to end that session and say that was fun. And and we still do that virtually. So so we've have we've certainly made the shift. It'll be nice to get back in the classroom. It'll be nice to be speaking at conferences. I, I am looking forward to that. But we also are are having a good time teaching people and interacting with people all around the world virtually right now. That's great. And I'm assuming they can find you on social media as well. Absolutely. Uh, at Merrick R. So it's up Twitter, M-E-R-R-I-C-K-R. -R uh, and also if you're LinkedIn, uh, uh, connect with me every day. I put out a, your daily dose of bird style wisdom. Some are funny, some are insightful. Uh, just follow along and uh, learn about yourself along the way. Yeah, I've enjoyed seeing your posts and how people interact differently based on their personality. So I'll definitely continue to be following you. So appreciative of you being on the show today. Before we close, I'd like to ask you a question I 
ask all my guests to get to know your personal brand better. What is one word you would use to describe your super strength? I would say it's passion. I, I think that if there's one compliment that I get that I just, that really makes me feel good. And I, and it's, I, I wish that more people would get this. I hear this when I'm out on the road and I'm speaking at, at events and conferences, almost every week of my life, I hear somebody who's, who says to me, I can tell you love what you do. Mm. And shouldn't that just be the way it is? Shouldn't it just, Absolutely. Shouldn't it just be emanating the energy of, I love what I do. And I think that that's what we all have to find. It's that passion for, for helping others and just for whatever it is you do, put that passion into it. I love that. Thank you so much, Merrick. And, you know, that was a great way to sum up the show. Be passionate, know what your strength is, your personality, and definitely be in touch with Merrick today. So that wraps up the episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Merrick. Thank you. All right. Bye. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Real Talk with Rebecca Charlson. If you like this episode, feel free to hit subscribe and consider giving us some love with a five-star rating and review. To learn more about how to be on our next show, go to createyourpotential.com backslash Rebecca. Looking forward to connecting with you next time. And remember, it takes a real talk to create connections that count.